0: This morning is a special day for us as a church. We're going to be uh, commissioning a new deacon. We're going to be licensing uh, Nate as a pastor, and then we're going to be ordaining Ricky as well. We're going to do that toward the end of of this time. But it's a special day, and it's a day for us together as a church to to affirm this, to confirm this, to celebrate and make much of what God has done for His church, and to thank Him for it. And it's amazing that uh, many times as you read through the Bible just systematically and, and uh, intentionally reading the Bible year in and year out, God will take his word and he will just set it up to speak to a situation to teach to a situation. And I feel like that this morning was one of those readings. So if you're, if you're reading with us through the Bible this year, this morning you were in First Samuel 9-12 uh, through 12, and there in ten eleven, you see this story of Saul the son of Kish at the time and and God is now calling Samuel the prophet to uh, to lead this this effort to find a guy to anoint a guy as the first king of Israel and that is going to be Saul the son of Kish and, and so in chapters 10 and 11 you see him uh, you see Saul searching for some lost donkeys him and his servant and they come upon Samuel they go to seek his advice the figure out where these donkeys have run off to. And what you see there in those two two chapters is that the man who's looking for the donkeys for his father turns out to be the one who's going to be called to be the king, proclaimed the king, and later anointed as the king of Israel. You see this beautiful picture of God gifting to his people a leader to lead. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we celebrate the Lord and his calling upon men to serve and to lead his church. And so this is a special moment for us as a church. Uh, like Israel, this morning we're setting aside these men for leadership. Now, no one's going to be anointed king. Uh, Nate, I know you're, where's Nate at? I know he's really, there you are, Nate. Uh, you're very disappointed. We're not bestowing on you kingship, but uh, we will bestow upon you something lesser. How about that? This is a special time as we celebrate these guys who are called of God to, learn, to, to lead and to serve within this church. They're God's gift to us. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that God has gifted his church with leaders. I want you to listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. This is coming from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." Paul makes it very clear that God has gifted his church with leaders. He's chosen these men. He's gifted them to be spiritual leaders who come alongside the church and shepherd them, lead them. They feed and guide and protect the flock of God. They do all of this, Paul says here in these verses, so that we as the body of Christ will cumulatively grow into maturity. And so today is a special day for us as a church. We get to recognize God's provision, his gift to us as a church. So this morning we're commissioning James Ambrose as one of our new deacons. We're also going to license Nate West to uh, the ministry. He's our student pastor. He's doing a fine job. We're also going to ordain Ricky Johnson to the ministry as well. Ricky serves as you just saw, our associate pastor of worship and media. Now, many of you know James and his wife, Christine. They've been around our church a number of years. Uh, they have one son, Raylan, who's down in Kids Church this morning, and they've got a young daughter that's on the way, right? Just a few weeks, maybe 10 weeks or so, until she makes her arrival, unless she does what some of our children do and make that uh, uh, Hello, I'm here. Welcome world. About five weeks too early, but uh, they got a little girl that's coming and we're excited about that He comes from a great family and a great tradition parents are with you this morning So we're excited uh, for James and his ministry here at our church. Now Nate is our uh, new student pastor. He's the newest member to our team He's also the youngest member of our team and I was thinking about this the other day I've never had a guy serve alongside of me that I literally could be old enough to be his papa. And uh, man, that's a new, that's a new, new uh, era for me. But uh, Nate has been a great addition to our team. He brings a lot of joy and and uh, stuff to our team. <laughs> Antics, uh, makes fun of me all the time, and yet I dish it right back to him and uh, poke at him for his his uh, wardrobe from time to time. <laughs> I tell him all the time, like, dude, did you like? Did, did you like get drugged to church this morning because all your pants and jackets and stuff were just ratty? What's going on here? We need to make sure you get more money to buy more clothes. What's the deal? But he's been a great addition. He comes from a great home, came to know Christ there in college, called to ministry there in college at Liberty University. His mom and dad are here. His dad serves as a small groups pastor at one of our great sister churches, the Heights Church. And uh, his brother Jordan is there as well on staff in the worship ministry. In fact, Jordan's the reason Nate is here outside of God's calling and provision. But Nate's the one, or uh, Jordan's the one that gave us Nate's name and said, "I think you should look at this guy." And so we uh, we listened and we called, and it was it was just a great, great thing. Now you know Ricky. Ricky's been with us since uh, November. Uh, he's also a fairly new staff member. Uh, Ricky and his wife Katie uh, have six children. If you saw all of those kids that go out, half of those kids that go to kids' church are there. So uh, that's the way you grow a children's ministry. You you bring in big, big families, and, and they're one of those families. But man, Ricky's been a blessing to me, a blessing to our team, and a blessing to you. He came to Christ at the age of ten, uh, right out of high school. He started playing pianos, member of the band for his former church, First Baptist of Fort Worth, Texas. And I was going to college there, on the road to becoming a band director, to work in uh, high school, maybe even college uh, college band. Uh, it was not long until the Lord began to change that course, as he often does in our lives. He began to sense a calling to vocational ministry, and while uh, kind of entertaining that idea, God gave him an opportunity to be on staff at uh, his home, that church there, and later was elevated to become the worship pastor and serve First Baptist Fort Worth for 12 years. This is his only uh, his second uh, ministry position he's ever had, uh, second church he's ever served uh, in 12-plus uh, years of ministry, and so Ricky is... A wonderful addition to our team and we are tremendously blessed uh, by the Lord for not only his love but also his leadership uh, that he provides this church so we're we're grateful for that well this morning I I realized that more than likely we haven't been around a service like this much Uh, they're sort of few and far between and so you might not know what to expect in this service you might not even understand what this ordination and licensing service is really all about you might even ask the question what is ordination what is this whole concept well let me just kind of share some uh some st- some thoughts about this break it down if i can it's the process ordination that is the process whereby the local church expresses this it's affirmation of the calling of God upon the life of the pastor. So it's a church affirming what they sense the Lord calling and doing and the life of a man who's been called of God to lead in the church. And every denomination does this differently. And so we're Southern Baptists. We have a certain approach to this. And even within the Southern, Southern Baptist family, churches may choose to do this differently. And so we have different approaches To acknowledge and affirm God's call, his approval for its pastors and leaders within the church. Uh, In many denominations, the first step is to license that man, that individual. And that's what we're doing this morning with Nath. And then later, that is followed up with ordination. You may wonder why two steps in that process for a pastor. Well, in the Southern Baptist Church, we can look at licensing and ordination sort of like this. I want you to hear this. Uh, A license basically means this. You tell us God has called you into full-time Christian ministry, and we believe you. That's a way we should look at uh, licensing a man for the ministry. On the flip side, an ordination means we have had time to observe you, and we also believe that God has called you to full-time vocational ministry. And so the first says, we believe that you believe it. The second says, we believe it. It's not so much on the person to say, I've called uh, of God to, to serve in the local churches. We've seen evidence of that and we believe it wholeheartedly. We're affirming it. We're setting you aside to this work, to this calling upon your life. And so thankfully, those whom God calls, he gifts. Those whom God calls, he equips. He prepares them for the work of ministry. And so the gifts and the calling are without repentance, if you will. We don't need to turn a, away from that. And so God does not ever change his mind about planning to use the individual. There is a beautiful picture of this in Jeremiah chapter 1, where Jeremiah is being called of God, and he begins to maybe wrestle with the Lord in in a little bit of a way. And he's like, well, I'm young. And God says, don't let anyone ever look down on you for your youth. In other words, God has set this man apart, set this leader apart, even before birth for such a time and for such a calling as this. And so God does not as we know, make mistakes. Aren't you grateful for that? And my devotional time this morning, is just praying, thinking about the Lord and, and what he's like, and just this idea that God never changes just kind of captivated me for a moment. That God never changes. He's immutable. That, that, therefore, that means God's never going to make a mistake because we know he's infallible. So he's never going to make a mistake. He's never going to change that aspect of who he is. God never calls the wrong person. There's been some times, and these guys, perhaps during their life of ministry, will uh, serve in a particular way. Hopefully they never leave this church, but if they were ever to go to another place, they may may begin to wonder, man, I I wonder if God really, if I miss God's call upon my life, because things are not as good here, they're not as easy here. What's the deal? But if you're following God, it doesn't matter how difficult of a situation you may serve in, God has not made a mistake. He's using that for the church, he's using that for you and your own personal growth and maturity in the ministry. And so the ordination process is a way for the church to express its affirmation of God's calling of the pastor. And The Bible depicts the pastor as a special and an important gift. We need to realize this one. I hope that kind of rests on you. That when we think about those God's call into leadership, into service within the local church, they're not a hired gun. They're not a hired hand. They're not here to do the ministry for you. They're called of God to come alongside as a shepherd to feed, equip, and to protect your life, to protect your walk with the Lord Jesus. But they're not called to do the work for you. They're called to help you grow and mature and to do the work with them. And so they're a gift to the church. He's called, uh, the the man of God is a God-called steward of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I want us real briefly to look at, if we will, the profile of a pastor as you see on the screen. Paul lays out some beautiful words about this to Timothy in these two pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. If we were to go into Titus, we'd see a, a very similar message as, as well. But 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy as well as Titus, we refer to these as pastoral epistles. And we say, why do we call them pastoral epistles, pastoral letters? Well, the reason is, is because they are addressed to pastors who are leading churches, local churches, and they outline pastoral duties. And so what Paul's doing here is he's writing to Timothy in 1 and 2 Timothy, and he is instructing him in how he should lead the church, how he should shepherd the church. And basically here we see the responsibilities were twofold defend sound doctrine and maintain sound discipline within the church. That's what Paul's telling Timothy and Titus. He's saying here, you need to defend sound doctrine. You need to hold up the gospel. You need to hold firmly to the word of God, and you need to do everything you can through these disciplines and principles to maintain sound discipline, sound walk with the Lord within the church. A lapse in those two areas is how most churches will go Awry. That's how they get in trouble. I mean, history is replete with all kinds of examples of how churches and mainline denominations have gone uh, into the gutter, how they've lost the gospel, they've lost the faith because they have not defended sound doctrine and they have not maintained sound doctrine. Discipline. Instead, they've allowed political correctness, they've allowed cultural uh, uh, influences, they've allowed all these other things, self-help type messages to deter, or or not deter, but to take the church on a detour doctrinally and led them into liberalism and ultimately destruction. And so here Paul gives instruction for how the shepherd should watch over the church. And I want to share with you three things in regards to... To the profile of the pastor. Here's what we ought to look for. This is what we ought to expect in the life of a pastor. Number one, the pastor pursues the word. The pastor pursues the word. That kind of makes sense, right? When you think about a pastor, you think about either the senior pastor or staff pastor, either one, a deacon, that man ought to pursue the word of God. You see, disciples of Christ are persons of the word, and so it ought to not actually be any different for me or for you, those sitting in the pew or those standing on the platform. We should all as Christians be persons of the word, but this extremely ought to be so for the pastor who's leading, guarding, protecting the flock. So it should be no surprise because we are a Bible people. Now, this was true for the pastor there it's true for the pastor today and so paul's charging timothy in first timothy chapter four this is what he says until i come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to exhortation to teaching and then verse 15 practice these things immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress He further charged Timothy in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So Paul here is teaching us that the pastor has nothing of his own to offer the wounded and the hurting. We have nothing to offer. I have no wisdom outside of what the Bible gives us. I have no uh, good talks, good abilities, no encouragement to give that the Bible doesn't also first give us. We are a man and a church of the Word of God. The pastor is a man who pursues it in his life. The pastor has no ability to break down the wall of the proud and the boastful. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God who does that. Likewise, he is powerless to confront the wisdom of of this age. I mean, how do we come against the things that are coming against the church today, the, the culture that is, is against us, <clears throat> if we don't first, excuse me, come at it from the Word of God? And that's all that he has, and it's all that he needs. It was all that Timothy had to confront the challenges of pastoring a church that's very similar to what a church is today. Timothy pastored in the city of Ephesus. This was a a very large city. This was a very diverse city. This was a very complex city. It was a flourishing city. There was everything in the world to entertain and to occupy people's times outside of the gospel. Timothy was called of God to lead in that city and to make disciples for Christ. So Paul here exhorted Timothy to pursue the word he was first to pursue it personally so that it might overflow out of his lives out of his lives into others corporately you see paul understood that the pastor listen to this the pastor can never take his people any further than he has already gone think about that why does a pastor need to be a man who pursues the word of god because that's the only thing that can change a person's life That's the only thing that can transform a family. That's the only thing that can give hope and a future. That's the only thing that can help a person. It's the word of God. And so if you're not pursuing the word, you have nothing to offer other people. The pastor pursues the word. Secondly, the pastor practices the word. Here's a good statement. Belief is proven by practice. Or you might say it this way. Belief is proven by practice. Through obedience. We're gonna talk about obedience in, in our small group time this morning from Luke chapter 19. But you may say you believe the word of God, but really the evidence for belief comes from obedience. It comes from you putting it into practice in your life. And so if you say you believe something, the proof of it will be made evident when you practice it in your daily life. The pastor is to pursue the word, he is to know it, he's to believe it, he's also to practice it. And so this is vitally important when recognizing those whom God has called into Christian ministry. A, a man, or for that matter, or a woman may even may come and say, you know, I really believe God has called me to serve in the church. I really believe that, that this is what I'm supposed to do. And what do we do as a church? How do we delineate? How do we come to an understanding of whether this is true or not? Well, one of the simplest ways is to take the word of God and take that person's life and see if they align. Is this person who says they believe the Bible living out the Bible? If they say they believe in evangelism, are they sharing the gospel with others? If they say they believe the word of God and they hate sin, is their sin evident and present in their life? For this reason, Paul instructed Timothy as to the qualifications of those who would shepherd his people. We see this in 1 Timothy Chapter three, verses one through seven, speaking to elders. He goes on in chapter eight or uh, verse eight and following to speak of the qualifications for the deacons, and those qualifications are very similar. They basically tell us that that type of individual, that man, is to be above reproach. That man is to be a faithful husband. He is to be sober-minded. He is to be self-controlled. He is to be respectable, not a drunkard. He is to be gentle. He's not to be a lover of money, and he should manage his household well. Well, how do you do all of that? How do you flesh those characteristics out? You live under the Word of God, and you practice it in your life. Paul expands this call to practice the Word in 2 Timothy 2, verses 22 through 26. We see there that the pastor who practices the Word is able to model and to help others be built up and escape the snares of the enemy. Same is true for the deacon. So the pastor pursues the word, the pastor practices the word. Thirdly, the pastor preaches the word. You see, the pastor is called first and foremost to be a preacher of the word of God. Whether you're a student guy, if you're a worship guy, or if you're the preacher guy, it doesn't matter. We are in the preaching business, we're in the business of taking the word of God and proclaiming it to others. Now, Ricky may do that through music as he leads us in song, as he leads us into corporate worship together, but he's doing that to set us up to hear the Word of God. But it's not just on the stage on Sunday morning. He's to be a person who disciples others. He's to be a person who's discipling his family. It's all about taking the Word and proclaiming it to others. We're not called to be a community organizer We're not called to be a social worker. We're not called to be a motivational speaker. We're called to be preachers of the Word of God. Those things are not bad. They might be encompassed in the work, but preaching is the pastor's priority. Therefore, the pastor's devotional time with God, the pastor's personal study time with God, and the credibility of his life, all of those work together, mingling together, to help the man... Become a better public preacher, a teacher of the word of God. It brings credibility to the message. And so this emphasis on preaching was Paul's final charge to Timothy. I want you to listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God. And of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Why does Paul make such a big issue out of preaching? It's because that's all we have. We have the Word of God and nothing else. Why is is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's such an emphasis on parents in the home taking the Word of God and keeping it ever before their children? It's because that's the only thing that will ever change their kid's life. And we're all born sinners. We're all born uh, apart from God. We're all born under the just wrath and judgment of a holy God because we have rebelled against him. It's the word of God that begins to penetrate our sinful, rebellious hearts and draws us to him as the spirit of God calls. It's the word of God. So the pastor's life is to revolve around the word. I like how Paul says it here. He's to be ready in season and out of season. Does that mean you always got to have a sugar stick sermon, Steve? You always got to have that thing sort of tucked away in your back pocket in case you're out of place? Now, maybe if you're overseas on a mission trip, you better have a sermon somewhat prepared because you never know when, uh, when the missionary or, or the native, the, the national there is going to be like, hey, yeah, Pastor, I forgot to tell you, uh, we're going to meet together and we need you to preach and we need you to preach for two hours. <laughs> you better have something. Or let your fingers do the walking and your heart do the pre- praying to the Spirit that He would lead you. But we're not talking about a sugar, sugar six sermon. What Paul's saying here is we need to be ready in season and out of season. How do you do that? You're daily walking with Jesus, and there's a sermon within your heart because you're living it out. You're living, abiding in the Word, in the Spirit, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives must revolve around the Word of God. Amen. We do this, or as we do this, God uses us to expose, to rebuke, and to encourage the people of God. There are times when we, as the people of God, need to expose the things that are in error in one another's lives. I tell you all the time, we need each other. We are a body of Christ. We're a community of Christ. We're not a bunch of isolated believers who are doing our own thing. We are the body of Christ. We need one another. I need you speaking into my life, and you need me speaking into your life. The pastor is there to expose the things that need God's touch. And with that we rebuke at times, but we always encourage. We always come alongside our brothers and sisters, and we're always there to encourage to fan the flame of God within them, using God's word. This is how He's the shepherd, of the church, always feeding, always guiding, always protecting the flock. And so this morning, as we read through God's word, specifically these passages here in the New Testament, we see that pastors and deacons are God's divine gifts to the church. They're God's gift to us so that we can be tended to, that we could be cared for in our lives. These men teach us, they feed us, they give us a steady diet from the richness of God's word. All of this works in tandem to develop and to grow the church, to grow the ministry of the church so that it experiences all that God would have for us. And all that God would use us in this community. Are you grateful for the leaders God's given us? I'm grateful. I was, we actually prepared this sermon and this, this service um, a number of weeks ago, and then you know weather and things like that took it out there in February, and so we postponed it to the end of March, and I woke up this morning. Well, I was up long before the storms hit, but as soon as I started hearing thunder and seeing lightning, I'm thinking, come on. It'd be just like, uh, I guess, the enemy. We'll blame it on the serpent. It'd just be like him to knock the power out, and we have to do this in the dark. And, and, uh, but we were going to do it. We were going to do it this morning, no matter what. I was convinced. But I'm grateful for the church, grateful for the gifts God's given the church. And So as I was thinking about this a number of weeks ago, and just kind of thinking about who are the people who have influenced and challenged and grew, grown me in my own personal walk? I grew up under a phenomenal pastor. Ronnie Floyd is my home pastor. He's uh, just, again, a great influence, great mentor in my life uh, over all of these years. And now God's using him in different ways. He's not at my home church anymore. but. Man, what a great influence. I'm thinking of Johnny Hunts, who's my wife's pastor, and, and I served alongside him, got to do that for a year, our first year of marriage, and, and he, he poured into me. He's actually going to be with us this coming fall as we celebrate our 175th anniversary as a church. He's coming to uh, be a part of that service there in the latter part of November. But he's been a tremendous blessing to me. Then I think about the man that I served alongside of prior to coming here. I left the pastorate for four years, and I served alongside Brett Pittman there in in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and he's been a great friend as well. And then right out of college, kind of in Nate's situation, I I was in a very similar situation uh, when I was about 22, 23, right out of college, Had grew up in a great church and served as an intern for a number of years during those college years. And and now I'm taking my first student pastor position. And I got to serve under Dale Thompson at First Baptist Fort Smith, Arkansas. A great pastor in a great historic church. And he tremendously influenced me in the area of preaching during those two years that I was with him. God gives gifts to his church for a number of reasons. And I'm grateful for that so now that we understand what this moment is about, let's recognize and let's celebrate these gifts that God's given to us as a church. We're going to commission James as one of our deacons. We're going to license Nate, and then we're going to ordain Ricky. And so uh, I want to invite you, James, if you will come to the platform. No pressure, brother. <laughs> yeah, you can just come right here. Yeah, uh, we want to stay right here in this camera shock so our folks on... Facebook can watch us this morning. This is James Ambrose, and uh, you've been in our church, what, four years now, something like that? Right, yeah. yeah. about a year or so after we came here, we got to, to meet the Ambrose family, but they've been a blessing to us. He serves in our worship ministry a little bit now, kind of getting your feet wet in that. Uh, you serve in a hospitality team as a greeter in the parking lot, I believe, and then he also is one of our uh, small group leaders, one of our care group leaders, and teaches from time to time. By the way, you're teaching here pretty soon no pressure so. but uh, church if you will if you'll just join me as we pray over and commission him to this great work as one of our new deacons father we thank you for james ambrose thank you for his wife christine his son raylin his daughter to be who's going to be here just in a number of weeks father we ask your blessings upon them god we thank you for calling him to this work we set him apart to that and we ask your blessings that you use him in a mighty mighty way god may you be glorified through his life through his family and the way he serves you through this church. May we be better for it. God bless him, him, protecting, using, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, James. Church, if you will continue to pray for him and pray for all of our deacons, they do a great work. Come alongside our small group leaders. Yes. Our deacons carry out a lot of the pastoral ministry, meeting spiritual needs, physical needs, a lot of benevolence things, and so... They are a great asset to our pastoral team and our elders. I'm going to invite Nate, if you will, to come up here now. And uh, we're going to license him. <clears throat> Nate, if you want to stand right here. Church, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to pray. If you will pray with me over Nate. but. Uh, I give this guy a lot of a hard time, a lot. But I, I mean, I just you know, we started talking in November, December, somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, it, was, it was like late October. Late October? Like, just maybe beginning November. Yes, yeah, right some, something of. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Three or four long years long ago, it was <laughs> a long time. But the more we talk, the more I just really, really uh, grown to like this guy. Now I love this guy. He's been a tremendous blessing to us. I think all of our team can say that. But our students love you as well. Uh, my daughter, she's a critic, man. I'm just kidding. She's great. But she loves you to death. She thinks you're awesome. Uh, you're the reason. The, she, the reason you're here is because my daughter. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> so, but he's been a great, great asset. So, let's pray for Nate. Let's, uh, let's just set him apart for the Lord. Father, thank you for, for Nate West and uh, your calling upon his life. And this morning, as a church, as we license him to the ministry, uh, we are saying, we believe that God has called you. We believe that you believe that God has called you. And yet, Lord, even as we say that, we see evidences of that, and, and we're grateful for that. But we just pray that you would fan the flame in his heart. God, give him a, a deep love, uh, a deep desire to know you, to know your word, to live your word out in his life. Lord, I pray that your uh, hand would, would touch him in a special way and use him, uh, specifically at this season of his life, to, to influence teenagers, to... Uh, share the gospel with them, to lead them to faith and, and, and repentance, to, to lead them to discipleship in their life. God, that they would move into adulthood and begin to start families in the years ahead and, and be grounded and, and prepared largely because of Nate's influence and how he has poured the word of God into their lives. So God, we pray your blessings, your special touch upon him. God, continue to use him, continue to, to affirm this calling upon his life in the days, the months, and the years ahead, we thank you for him. He's a gift to us. In Jesus' name, we offer this prayer. Amen. God bless you, Nate. We have a certificate so that you can put that up in your office. and, and, and uh, Yeah, your new office. And you can uh, take that down to the county, and you can marry and bury now, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Mary and Barry is what I said. <laughs> well, that's what I was told when I was uh, getting licensed. You can marry and bury now. Not sure which one I would prefer. Both are difficult. I don't know why I said that. We... All right. Ricky, if you want to come up here. <clears throat> Steve, if you want to come up here as well and... Uh, Steve's going to issue a charge. You know, ordination's a little different than, than licensing. You know, in, the, in licensing, we're saying, we believe that you believe that God's called you. In ordination, we're saying, we have seen evidence. There's been a number of years you've served faithfully, the local church, and so we wholeheartedly are affirming this calling. We believe God has called you, not because you say it, but because we've seen it. That's what we're doing in ordination. So we put a little bit more emphasis on this, uh, this aspect of this calling. So Steve is going to come, and he's going to issue a charge. Uh, a faithfulness and fidelity in the Word of God to Ricky, then he's going to ask our elders and our deacons, and we're going to lay hands on Ricky Johnson and pray over him, and we're going to ask you that you would uh, join us in and praying for him as well. So, Steve, it's all you, brother.
1: Ricky, I know you're going to be surprised that I'm going to be serious during this <laughs> portion of the service, but this is very serious and not to be taken lightly. This is God's call upon your life, and you're recognizing that, and the church is recognizing that as well in the ordination. So there is the ordination charge that I want to give to you. First is to be careful to preach faithfully the Word of God, and that's what James has been talking about today, in season and out of season. And to me, that means when it's popular and when it's not popular. Um, It's the Word. It's truth. So preach it. Pursue it. Practice it. Secondly, it's to pray earnestly for each of the church family and to especially seek the assistance of the Holy Spirit as you pray. And so when the Word tells us to pray without ceasing, do that. And even when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will help you and intercede for you. Thirdly, it's to love people deeply as you would love the Lord. And so we've been commanded to love the Lord first and others second. But loving like the Lord is an unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. It's loving humbly, esteeming others higher than you do yourself and being willing to take the towel and wash their feet and to serve them. Seek earnestly the fruits of the Spirit. We know that you have gifts of the Spirit. We know that you have talents, but to strive to have the character of Jesus himself with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then function always with a deep sense of stewardship of the people of God, whom he has purchased with his own blood and loves as his treasured possession. His people, these people, are being entrusted to you, and you're accountable to him for them. So, Ricky, I want to ask you this morning, will you preach? And will you pray and will you love and will you strive to have the character of Jesus himself and oversee the people that he has entrusted to you? Will you do that? Okay. So church family, you have heard the charge and Ricky has received it. His wife Katie's here, the children and family. And you as a church family, we are affirming this ordination and this charge. And he's agreed to that. So we want to invite the elders and deacons, if you would come. I'm going to let Ricky just stand right here. And if, um, you know, we are a different time, and so you do what you're comfortable with as we are laying on of hands or reaching out your hand or standing and surrounding him. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. And once you men have come up, then here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand in support as we pray together for, for Ricky. Lord Jesus, what a precious sight to be standing in your presence and standing in the presence of one who has said yes to the call upon his life. And Lord, what a privilege it is to be surrounded by those whom recognize your calling upon his life as well. This is what ordination is all about, saying yes to your will and way. And, Lord, with that is a lot of responsibilities and a lot of accountability. And you've heard Ricky this morning, and he's saying yes. And, Lord, it's our responsibility as a congregation now to undergird him and to pray for him and to encourage him and Katie and their family as they minister to us and as we minister to them. So, Lord, we're praying, first of all, that he would be faithful to you Secondly, faithful to his wife and to his family, and now to this church family in which you have entrusted to him. So, Lord, we ask that you bless. Guide and direct protect. We know that Satan loves to tear down what you have built up, but we know that we're victorious through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's not anything that we can't do through the Lord Jesus, so I pray that you would encourage Ricky And these uncharted waters, maybe there are going to be some new situations and occasions to minister like he's never done before. But Lord, you will give him everything that he needs through your word, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and other people who will come alongside to minister with him. So bless him. Help him not to be anxious, but to trust you. Lord, we love you. We love Ricky. We love their family. And we just ask that you bless and God and direct and bless this church family. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, "Amen."
0: Ricky, if you will just stay up here for just a moment, I got a certificate for you. Huh? Ricky, here is a certificate of ordination with all the elders who sat through your ordination council. One of the things that we do when we ordain someone is we don't just give them a certificate. We, uh, we actually sat down, we talked through a lot of theological type questions, a lot of church uh, questions and uh, just get a firm understanding of his beliefs and, and just for him to articulate that and so we had that council uh, meeting. Drop your screws. <laughs> we did that back in January and so uh, that there's for your office. And then this, I believe, is your grandfather's Bible. Uh-huh. Your grandfather was a pastor, right? And so your wife, Katie, wanted that to be... Well, your mom and daddy, apparently, wanted that to be a special moment for you. So we wrapped it up. And, uh, you know, you were just charged to be faithful to the Word of God. And this is just another way to remind you of that uh, calling upon your life and the privilege that you have. And so... Uh, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, but also of your grandfather. So we love you, brother. Well, this morning has been, I know, different, but I think it's been good. Um, it's been good. We have wanted to maximize this moment to really speak to the heart of what's going on here and and i hope we've done that just bringing out of the word of god the the priority and the gift that the pastor is to the church and it's not just the senior pastor Uh, all these guys are gifts of god these deacons are gifts of god to the local church to lead us to serve us and to protect us and so let's be always praying for god's gifts to the church always encouraging them and uh, always coming alongside and serving with them as well I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to direct your attention to uh, the screens, share a couple announcements. One of those would be about Easter, and, uh, and then I'll come back and dismiss us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for all of the things that we have done, ordaining Ricky, licensing Nate, commissioning uh, James as a deacon. Deeply grateful for these men. Grateful for their gift to the church. Grateful for their friendship. Um, God, their partnership with me its much more than just a professional, re- professional relationship. Lord, these are friends of mine, and I love them, and I'm grateful for them. God, we as a church love them as well. We pray your blessings upon them like we have already prayed. Use them mightily, and help us as a church to continue to walk in that vein of faithfulness and passion for you and the gospel like these men have. And so again, God, we're thankful and we pray this.